Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And as always, this is where we answer your questions. So if you're not already watching on the Facebook page, make sure you head on over there and you can leave your questions, thoughts, comments, all of that in the comment section underneath our live video. So while we give people a chance to start submitting some of those, um, I know that this time of year, basically free agency and draft that's it. That's what everyone's talking about. And one is going to affect the other. And there's just so many potential dominoes. And we've had to say so many times that we still don't know a lot, which is always very <laughs> tough this time of year. But I figured we could at least talk about some of the mock drafts because that's not about knowing. Nobody right. knows. That's so, about guessing. Yes, exactly. Which we can all do. We are all very and good at this. And everybody does. Yes. So I know that uh, you and Carmen have both done your mock drafts. We did one together. You've done one together recently. And so I um, just want to hear your thoughts on what your mock draft said and then some mm-hmm. of the other ones that you've been looking at out yeah. there and what it maybe says about what the Bucks might do. So the way we did it and the way we'll do it every couple weeks until we get close and do our own mock drafts is we did one where we just alternated picks, um, which does throw a little bit of uh, a little bit of more guesswork into it because if you're doing your own mock draft, 1 to 32, and you can maybe fudge a little bit. I'd really like to see this guy get to 7 so I won't let him go to team 6, right? Well, that can't really happen when somebody else is picking. So we were going along. I think a lot of the picks are what you've seen, you know, obviously starting with Jeff Burrow and Chase Young and the cornerback from Ohio State and all that. But uh, around 9 or 10, uh, some team took – we had some team take an offensive lineman, and Carmen in her write-up said she thought this was going to start uh, a run. Mm-hmm. But it really didn't. And what ended up happening is at 14, where the Bucks are, Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa tackles, was considered one of the top prospects at that position – was sitting there, and that's who Carmen took. And, and honestly, if I'd had that pick, I would have taken the, him as well. And it, I think we've said several times on the show, as we've talked in weeks, that I just think there's a really good combination of what the Bucks need and value in this particular draft for it to work out at number 14, and it did in that mock draft. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, we also had somebody uh, ask, I think it was Scott, said if the Bucks Good don't. Good name. Yep, great name. You're a big fan. Uh, not biased at all. Uh, if the Bucks don't take a quarterback in the first round, can you see them taking one later? And if so, who? Yeah, I mean, sure. A second round pick. Is, you know, I saw a mock draft I was reading yesterday that we took, I think, an offensive lineman at 14, but they had us trade up to the bottom of the first round to get, I believe, Jordan Love. The, is that the Utah State with the big arm? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of people connect that to Bruce Arians because they're like, he wants a big arm quarterback who can throw the ball downfield. Um, yeah, so you can see if you can get that guy at the very end of round one, then he maybe is also available in round two. We're mm-hmm. about, let's see, 13 picks in round two, I believe, pick number 45 overall. So sure, it could happen. And that could be an interesting uh, approach that the Buccaneers take. Basically, we know what the options are at quarterback, right? Either James Winston's back, or you sign a veteran free agent, or you draft a guy, or some combination of both. So maybe if you sign a veteran who is going to be a couple-year stopgap, then you also draft a guy that you're hoping you can develop. So sure, I could see that. Okay. Um, we had uh, a few different questions about now that um, Philip. Rivers and, and the Chargers have announced that he will enter free agency, right. which you were actually – we were talking about this before the show. You were pointing out is a little bit different than if he had actually been yeah. released. Yeah, take like Greg Olson. Greg Olson, the tight end, who's been so good for Carolina for so long. They actually released him on February 2nd, and so he has actually visited a couple teams. I think Seattle and Washington, and obviously Washington makes a lot of sense because of reuniting with Ron Rivera. Um, I don't know. I didn't check this morning. The Chargers and and Phillip Rivers, obviously, they made a statement. They, they all made statements and made it clear that – they wouldn't pursue him in free agency and that so their time together is over, right? But if they haven't released him yet, and I honestly, I have to admit, I don't know. I didn't check. I wish I hadn't. But if they haven't released him yet, he can't start going 
and negotiating with other teams yet. They'd have to wait until that 72-hour period right. beforehand. But they might at some point make a move. I mean, it would make sense if they're – if they they obviously have a lot of respect for him, as they said in their statements. If they want to give him the opportunity to go ahead and get started finding a new home legally right. under the system, then then they would release him. So okay. we'll see what happens. But I think the the way it was worded was they'll let him – Enter free agency, which right. sounds like no roster movement. Right, go. that makes sense. Um, so we've had a few different questions of if you were to be looking at Tom Brady or Philip Rivers as potential options. Those are the two <laughs> names that everyone keeps loving to to throw out there. Uh, which would you prefer? Which would fit better here and in this system? <laughs> I mean, who's going to say no to either of those two guys, right? I mean, Tom Brady's probably the greatest of all time, and Philip Rivers has Hall of Fame numbers. Uh, I guess. Neither of them necessarily has the huge arm anymore. I don't know if Tom Brady ever did have the huge downfield arm, and, and Philip Rivers did, but um, probably not as much anymore. I mean, come on, it's Tom Brady and Philip Rivers. Yeah. I think they could do fine in any system. Yeah, it's hard not to pick Tom Brady when right. you have the option of picking one of, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. It's hard to say no, right? right? Between those two guys. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Mike had said uh, he's heard rumors that there's a possibility that the team wants to trade up to number one. So I feel like we can address that. And then also just overall the likelihood of them trading up at all, maybe not just yeah. to number one, but in general. There's a lot to talk about there. And first of all, beginning with the very beginning of that question, rumors. Um, I think what I would call that one is speculation, mm -hmm. and you're going to see an awful lot of that. You'll see a report that the Buccaneers are considering this, and as you follow it back through the steps, like maybe you're reading it on Pro Football Talk, and then they've got it from some blog, and you realize what it was was a radio guy making that speculation on his show. Does he really have a source that the Buccaneers want to trade up number one? We'll never know. That's a really, really aggressive move. Yeah. Not really in keeping with what Jason Light has normally done in the first round of drafts. And it probably just sprang from speculation. But we can't discuss the possibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing about that trade is going from 14 to 1 is super, super, super expensive. But we do have a pretty close analog from recent years when the Rams traded up to get uh, Jared Goff. That was 16, I think, 2016. They, they went from 15 to 1, which, I mean, that's really, really rare. And if I remember correctly, it cost them, it, obviously, their, their first that year, but that's just to switch up a second, their first and second the next year at least, and there might have been more. So yeah. you're probably thinking, you're probably looking at, um, I don't consider it, when you trade up from 15 to 1, I don't feel like, and if you traded, if you gave them another two first-round picks in there, I don't think that's trading three first-round picks because you're at, the first one is just a flip. That's right. an improvement of your first-round pick. Right, so it's technically just two that you're yeah. In order to make the move from 14 to 1, what else is in there? Right, that's a good point. And I think it could cost as much as two firsts and a second. I mean, are you really willing to do that? It's a lot. Yeah. That can be a lot. I um, also think Cincinnati would be – well, I mean, I guess if they can get – a king's ransom you'd have to consider it but otherwise i think cincinnati should stay put and probably yeah um john asked do you think the bucks have an eye on a running back to bring in uh i wonder if they mean free agency or the draft um i think Anything? i mean they, uh, yeah probably just i wrote general. about this before even it doesn't even matter how you feel about the running backs we had last year i think we almost certainly will have at least one if not two more running backs simply by the numbers i mean right now under contract, you have Ronald Jones, who had a, a nice step up year, right? Um, could be a 1,000-yard guy if he gets more carries. Uh, but Peyton Barber is uh, scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent, so there's no guarantee that he'll be back. And then otherwise, basically all you really have is Dario Gumbawale and a guy we had in our practice squad, Aka Cedric Ware. I mean, just surely by the numbers, they're going to bring somebody in. Right. 
will they make a big investment either in free agency or like a second day pick in the draft or even a first day pick as you see in some mocks? Yeah, it's possible. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of teams that will not break the bank for a running back in free agency because they've seen how poorly a lot of those things have gone. I mean, you know, Todd Gurley's situation for the Rams, um, I guess Ezekiel Elliott is paying off, but those are the more rare ones. You know, how well is Le'Veon Bell really working out for the Jets considering what he was paid? So are the Buccaneers one of those teams that wouldn't do that? I think there's a decent chance that's the case. Okay. So, you, you, you know, maybe a mid-tier free agent mm -hmm. or uh, a running back in the second or third round, that seems very plausible. Okay. Uh, Daquan asked, when is the CBA deadline – and is there any truth to the rumors that quarterbacks will have their own cap space to help with the ballooning contracts? Well, again, that's not really a rumor so much as an idea that somebody's thrown out there, which isn't a terrible idea because it is tough when the quarterback's contracts keep getting so huge and they end up being such a big percentage of your roster. So uh, that's what makes a guy like Russell Wilson when you draft him and he's immediately great. And for the first five years you have him cost controlled, you can spend so much more on other positions. But it's hard to fall into that situation so taking those two those two questions one at a time there isn't really any specific deadline uh, because it does run through 2020 so this year is still under the CBA so I guess it'd be sometime next year but they tend to try to set artificial deadlines like mm -hmm. I don't know if you, people saw the news uh, in the last week or so that the NFL supposedly had set a sort of a rough deadline of about March 18th for them to accept the current deal that was on the table but then that's been walked back a little bit that, no, we didn't really set a deadline. So, you know, it, the only deadline is one that one side or the other is going to set. And, it, and the most recent one was just, hey, there's an offer on the table. This is when we would like you to decide on that buy. I do think there's a lot of momentum of them wanting to get it done around the new league year, around March. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot about that. And then the other half of that was, oh, the quarterback thing? Right. It's an option, but um, so far I think that's just speculation. I don't think that's something that's actually – considered a definite part of the agreement. Okay. Uh, Jay asked, what do you think Teddy Bridgewater would be worth on the open market, in your opinion? It's uh, a good question. 20 million? 15 million? Something like that? I don't, I don't know what the... I mean, he would be a starter, and he played well last year, and he was a former first-round pick. I like him a lot. I think, uh, I think he'd be a good starter. Um, I don't know, 15 to 20 million, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably so much of that depends on all the other potential quarterback domino pieces this year. That there are so many of them that we don't know if they're staying where they are, if they're going somewhere else. And then I feel like one move happens and it could cause this whole the big domino the domino effect. And if you have a whole bunch of these top big name guys all of a sudden in movement, yeah. it could push his value maybe down that – yeah. with some of these other guys, or if they, a lot of guys stay put and then you still have a team or two that thought they were going to have more options, feeling like he's it, it could push his value yeah, it up. it could go either way. Yeah. It's like musical chairs. Either there's one too many quarterback, which is bad for the quarterbacks, right. or one too many chairs, which would be good for the quarterbacks. Right, which is an interesting point. Um, what was your point? I just made an analogy for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I appreciate, you know, just clarifying over here. Um, David asked, do you um, think that Jason Light takes the best player available or more for need based on his history here? I don't think that any GM in the first round ever goes pure best player available. I think they take best player available that fits what you need. Otherwise, I mean, you could just rank the prospects. And, and by the time we get to the draft, 
there's a lot of agreement on who's best and it would just go that way, but it doesn't, you know, if you had, there were, there were, I think Barry Sanders is the best running back of all time. And I think he went third or fourth in the 1990 draft to Detroit. So that means two or three teams passed on him, but you can understand that because they probably had entrenched running backs. If you have an entrenched, if you have Ezekiel Elliott and another Barry Sanders comes along in this year's draft and you're picking first and he's the best player, are you going to take him? You're not right. Mm-hmm. Now, as you get later on in the draft, especially on the third day, I do think they often take, they will, they do do more of a best player available strategy. If they, if you know, the Bucks, what's a position where we don't really need right now? Maybe inside linebacker. But if there's a guy just standing out as the best one, at and he's high above left of any other position you got left, then I think you start taking that guy, even though he's not your biggest need. Right. Uh, we have another Scott. We have a lot of Scotts today. All right. Your, your your team Scott uh, fan think, club. Um, he yeah, asked. Um, he was saying, you know, we keep talking about quarterbacks, but we still need secondary help. And then he asked, what are the chances we have to get the honey badger? But <laughs> I figured overall we could just talk about, do you agree that the needing secondary help or where we are in that? Video? Yeah, I would love to. I wish we'd have managed to land him last year, but I guess it was just too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been awesome. He's such a great player. But I don't know if we're spending that much. You know what I'm saying? And plus, I don't believe he's a free agent now. He signed a multi-year contract with Kansas City. So there are a ton, however, of names you would recognize of safeties that, unless their teams resign them, are going to be available on the market this year. And of the two parts of the secondary, I think safety is a bigger need. And Bruce Arians essentially said that at the last press conference at the end of the year. He started talking about his cornerbacks. I think we're set. And you can understand that because by the end of the year, it looked like those three young guys are your frontline guys, right? And so you don't really need to go spend on another free agent quarterback if you've spent another if you brought in another high-priced free agent cornerback who gets bumped from the top three you mm-hmm. know you, you like all those guys Sean right. Murphy Bunting Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean so then you talk about safety and said I think we're set at safety but then he said well maybe maybe not and you're talking about the um, injury situation with Justin Evans and still big question mark they did like um, Dakota Dixon but he got hurt and and really isn't proving yet but they like him a lot so there's a lot more question marks at safety and uh, I do think safety is a position the Bucks could look at with a value signing in free agency and there are a lot of them out there I mean the two big names that'll get the biggest contracts are Justin Simmons and Anthony Harris I don't think those two guys are probably our targets but there's a ton of other guys out there like Rodney McLeod and Trey Boston and I can't even think of them all right now but I did write about that if you want to go look in the archive okay um I'll try to close. We got a few more here, but I'll try to go fairly quickly. Aaron asked, "How soon do you think we could get a deal done with Shaq Barrett?" I tend to think, as I've said before, that these things uh, kind of bump towards the deadline because both teams, both sides, are probably trying to get a little bit more of what they want, right? And so you just there's no reason to settle until the deadline's looming. Mm-hmm. And I looked at all these, all the players that we resigned. I went through our transactions for like the last 10 years, and all the bigger-name guys that we resigned before the start of free agency were always in March. You know, they're not in February. And this year, the deadline, the uh, free agency is until March 18th, which is later. It's usually more around like the 10th. So there's a lot of time. Now, if the Buccaneers don't have them signed by March 10th and they're worried – you might get a franchise tag right then. As we've said before, though, that doesn't stop negotiations. That just you could you could he could eventually play on that franchise tag, but also you can just use that as a way to extend your exclusive negotiating window and still get a long term deal done afterwards. So it could be quite some time at the Pro Bowl um, when Shaq was being interviewed about this. In the same vein, he's done every time he's been interviewed about this subject since still while the season was going on, 
he makes it very clear that he wants to stay here, and he thinks it's going to work out here. And he, it's all always very, very positive. But somebody asked him, well, does it feel good knowing that this will all be resolved by March? And he kind of laughed and went, uh, I'm not sure it's going to be resolved right. by March. So yeah. just take that. And then um, we'll close with this one. Jonathan said, do you think O.J. Howard is actually on the trade block? And if so, what are the chances we actually trade him? I usually am skeptical about those things. uh, But there's sometimes where there's a lot of smoke, there's fire. And you do keep hearing about that a lot. Um, I I honestly don't know if we've had trade discussions for O.J. with anyone. Uh, but it's certainly possible. What was the second half of that one? Uh, just what the chances would be that we actually trade him. Is he one of the people on the trade block, and what would be the chances, if so, that we would be able to trade him? Yeah. Um, I still consider the chances low, and I think the the more likely path forward is they're going to try again and see if they can get the production out of him that they thought they would get last year. But it's possible. Right. All right. Well, thanks so much to all of you guys who submitted questions. We're here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. And, of course, we know there's a lot more free agency and draft questions that we didn't get a chance to get to, so make sure you're back here next week submitting even more of them, and we'll see you then.